Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ESPN NBA insider Jay Williams joins Wolf and Luke to talk NBA and the Suns. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. All right, this is Jay Williams music, but Jay Williams hasn't called in yet, so we're going to talk some sons since we have Kellen Olson here. Kellen, what up? This is your music now. So it, all the music today is your music since you're in for all four hours for Wolf. Uh, this is something we didn't get to dive into yesterday much because it was a big red Monday, but Cam Johnson goes down. And the opportunity, unfortunately, is there for somebody else to step up, specifically offensively. And so your first thought is always going to go to DeAndre Ayton. In fact, I think that's where most people's first thought goes to. Uh, or Mikel Bridges. And then I would say if this were an Arizona sports poll question, which I don't think it is, other. So let's start with the first one. Let's start with D.A. And D.A. and Mikel, who in your mind has to be the guy that's going to contribute more points per game? And not who has to, but to answer to who, who, who I want to see, it, it would be Mikel. I, I think I kind of just look around and just think that it's Mikel more than anyone else. But, I mean, it's it's open to either, really. Okay. We're, <laughs> that's a good short answer. We'll get you. back into that in a little bit. Jay Williams joining us right now, though, on the Arizona Sports Line. Jay, thanks for the time, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. You know, a lot of stuff going on in sports, but uh, we're navigating through it in real time. What's up with you guys? Uh, well, we've decided to uh, look to the Suns for some emotional uplift after the, the Cardinal season so far. And then everybody on the Suns got hurt. <laughs> so now we don't know what to do. What, uh, what have you seen from this team through the first couple weeks? I, 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 I always say this, and Kellen, I would love to hear your your perspective on this. Like, I... Look, I think a lot of teams go through circumstances, and I think dealing with injuries is definitely uh, a challenging place. And I just heard you guys talking about Mikel and having the chance to ultimately be that player. But I, I don't put a hard assessment on where teams are through the first month. Now, granted, when a team like the Los Angeles Lakers is absolutely struggling, I, I, I can understand that. But for most parts, for veteran teams that are going through, you know, I guess the, just the the way you have to endure a season through injuries and things of that sort. Like I, there's an ultimate belief for me that they will find their footing and that all will be okay. But there's an interesting navigational period that I feel like a lot of teams go through, and I, I feel like that's kind of one of those adjustment periods happening to the Suns right now. Frankly, Jay, I totally agree with you, and I, and I think with what you're <clears throat> with what you're kind of hitting on right there, I think it just comes down to how you use that time uh, like proactively, exactly. right? Like I, I think Golden State said they're putting Kaminga in the rotation now. It's like how exactly are you going to use this month or two to get better? So are the Suns going to prioritize DeAndre and McHelper just more in the offense so that when Cam Johnson comes back, when it's April and May and Devin Booker's getting trapped, they have more solutions to those problems presented to themselves? Is, is is that easier said than done, though, Jay, in your experience, just changing the offense a bit to get one more guy involved? How easy or how difficult is it? Well, so, you know, my mentor in life is a guy named Charlie Grantham, Kellen, and, and he actually ran the Players Association for a long time before Billy Hunter. And we often talk about, because I before I got into broadcasting, I really wanted to be an agent. And he would always say to me, he's like, look, you know, I'm going to be the agent of record because I worked for agency for a couple of years. And he's like, you know, you just have to learn the playbook, do your due diligence and be ready because your number will be called. And it was one of those things that really stuck with me because around that same time, Jeremy Lin's number was called in New York. And I remember thinking, damn, Jeremy Lin really 
capitalized through injuries when it was his time, right? And when sanity and that whole thing sparked. So for me, I, I guess the biggest question that I have, just understanding mentality, is sometimes when you are the and lack of a better term, right? Like you are you are in a beta type role. I'm not saying that you can't have explosive games, but each and every night, like you, you play a role and you fit in a certain scheme. And then all of a sudden the landscape shifts. It changes. And then your role is asked to change from a beta to an alpha. Can you have that consistently every single night? And I think that is the biggest challenge for guys in particular like DeAndre Ayton, who maybe feel like he needs to have the ball delivered to him from certain playmakers on the floor, right? And, and sometimes you ask that question, like, you know, can a zebra change his stripes overnight? That's what you hope for. And I think that's going to be the job of the Suns organization, everybody from top to bottom, to make these guys believe that they can be the guy, the priority offense. And if you can change that mindset slightly to being way more aggressive consistently, I guarantee you that when other pieces come back, like there will be a little bit of a deferring because then it, the weaponry has just gotten stronger and it's gotten more diverse. And at the end of the day, look, my, my sorry for being long-winded, but my sophomore year, we lost a guy named Carlos Boozer. Uh, and he got hurt, and we had other guys that had to fill in, and those guys became way more comfortable in their roles and assertive. And then when we got Carlos Boozer back later in the year, we were like, wow, we have so many more weapons at our disposal because now people feel like they're part of something bigger with bigger roles, and that's all people can ask for. They just have to be ready for it. We're talking to Jay Williams. Jay, I, I think now actually maybe have already answered partially this next question, but the, the issue for the Suns, and Chris Paul brought this up the other night, is you know how do you evolve over the course of the regular season and use the regular season to your benefit so you can peak in the playoffs this year because they didn't last year? Uh, what you just said right there seems like a good way to start, really, given the circumstances. Anything else you would add as, as, as just what the secret is to trying to get better at the right time of year? You know, I, I think it, it, a lot of it is health, guys. And I would say this, too. I mean, look, hearing you, Luke, say that from CP3, like that is that is one of the biggest things I have. And it, it's not a it's not a knock against him. Like, I, I get <laughs> he plays so many games, 82 games, plus the postseason. It, it's, a, it's a very long season. I think for CP3 as well, right, making sure that when you get to those moments before the playoffs start, that your body really feels ready to kick into a different gear. And I think for him, you know, he's had consistent injuries down the stretch where it's felt like it's hindered him throughout the course of his career for getting so close. So, and look, sometimes there's nothing you could do about it. It's all through luck. But I think for him, like, the more you can prepare your body mentally for that end of season, end, like, beginning of playoffs run, I think that's the biggest thing. And, uh, and, and he has to be a person that has to be ready to go because at the end of the day, he is the maestro, man. I mean, you, you can ask yeah. Devin Booker to be, you know, the aggressive guy to score 40 each and every night, but you need CP3 to be that guy who is available at the time you need him the most, which is the postseason. Jay, before we let you go, um, you guys are giving away twenty five hundred dollars an hour on your show. What, what's what's going on here? What, Look, it's a lot of money. So first off, first off, I, you know, I'm all about giving away Max Kellerman's money <laughs> each and every day. Nice. And uh, so what we're doing is, yeah, we're giving away ten thousand dollars a day. Uh, all you have to do is text our winning word into triple seven triple zero, and essentially we're giving away twenty five hundred dollars every hour of our show. So ten past the hour. 
we will say one of these obnoxious words that we mess up on. Uh, Max Kellerman literally said uh, we were sponsored by Patron today instead of Patron. <laughs> so Patron will probably be our word for today. And we will have fun with it. And if you if you send this text in and we pick you, you're going to win $2,500. And I'm trying to give away Max Kellerman's hard-earned hard cash. That's a, a cause I'm doing it. we can all get behind. Yeah, Jay, thank you for the I time. I might keep the system, guys. I might text in the number for myself. Look, everybody's in here. <laughs> we got to find a guy, Jay. Just a guy who can send in 3,000 of those or yeah, something for us. Right? Somebody's cracking the code already. <laughs> Jay, thank you for the time. Yeah, man, we'll, we'll talk to you again. All right. All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. That's, uh, that's Jay Williams checking in on the Arizona Sports Line right there, uh, as he does on Tuesdays when we come back. How much of a role have injuries played on the Cardinals' offense? We're going to get into that next. It's, it is it's not the only reason they're struggling, but it is a big reason. It's Wolf and Luke, Kellen Olson filling in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Right, it is the Wolf and Luke show on a Tuesday morning. Kellen Olson is in for Wolf today, and I want to start here uh, before we get into injuries. Just, that's just a constant with this team. We had Clint Kingsbury. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing. That's what's going on. Uh, are the had, Coyotes okay? They are actually are no upper body or lower body injuries. And there's always a few, but it's hockey. You just <laughs> play through it, and they're winning games. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, when he joined us yesterday. Among other things, we did ask him for some injury updates, but we also asked him if he has given any more thought to relinquishing those play-calling duties to somebody else. Because, Kellen, as you can imagine, the theme to the show yesterday was basically they have to change something. If you're not going to fire the coach, if you're not going to you know, make changes in the front office, any of that stuff that I just don't believe they're going to do during the regular season, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I know a lot of people want that. I just don't think they're going to do it during the regular season. But you got to change something because you've won three of your first nine games. And as we detailed before the three teams you've beaten aren't very good so cliff we asked him yesterday on the show if he's given any more thought to giving up the play calling duties i have not no i i I like where we're heading i know uh yesterday we had some um you know some of those errors that we can't have but i think uh with some of these pieces back i think we have a chance to to make a little run so where do you go with that because that to me is the easiest thing you can do that is significant. You know what I mean? Like, I I just... I don't see them switching coaches mid-season. If this... No, just fire the offensive coordinator. (laughs) What? Yeah, go ahead. What about an offensive coordinator? Oh, 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 there, there is one. Okay, well, oh, oh, well, that's... Mm. Yeah, I just... You're going to have to change something. Mm. Don't you have to change something? Hmm. They do. You know what I want to change. But you Everything. just said it, and I, I just don't think... We're going to talk about hard knocks in a bit, but I, I think it does actually factor into their decision-making here. It, it has to start there, right, with what you're saying, with the run game and what they're saying, but how feasible is that with the unit that they've got? Because I... I've been critical of Kyler Murray this year, and you remember the shows that we were doing uh, during the off season, mm-hmm. we were just talking about how much we believe in Kyler, you and I specifically, and how I think he's a bona fide top ten quarterback in the league and has could have the type of season. And if you would have asked me yes or no, do you expect him to have the type of season where he throws himself into the discussion for top five quarterbacks in the league? I would have said yes. That's yeah. how much I believed in him going into the year. And we haven't seen that at all. Not at but all. But then when I watch him 
during these possessions, sometimes just it seems like one every five possessions, he just has no shot in his pocket at all to get anywhere. And then you look at the injury situation that they've had. Humphreys being back seemed to help a, a bit, a, until, a little bit. Until Will Hernandez got hurt. But I was trying to get trying to find optimism for it again, but then the first snap nearly goes over his head, and then a couple of plays later, flies over again. And and there's that crazy stat that went around Twitter the other day that Price and Harlow have allowed six sacks, I believe, this year, and Rodney Hudson last nine seasons has allowed six sacks. Yeah, so no. it's, that's a crazy statistic. That's just insane. It, it, it and would I, be nice to have some of your players back. And, and that's where you worry... In terms of going to the run game too much, it's like if you overcommit to it, do you even have the group to overcommit to it with? No. Because that's what you should do in this type of situation. To be clear, how do you fix an offense like this? Well, you just get back to the run game. Simplify Anything, it. Try and any, grind out a 21 to 17 win. Just use yeah. your backs, use your tight ends, get into 12, 13, all the stuff that this guy in this chair loves so much. Yes, I support You're that even into more. Wolf just by sitting in his chair. Uh, that, that's where I like try to like grovel my voice. I try to get yeah. ready to do it, but then I remember I have the worst. Everyone here, I think, for their interview to get hired here has to have a good wolf impression yeah, and no, I think my it. boss just forgot to ask me that question during the interview process because <laughs> I wolves playbook for dummies 12 personnel one back two tight ends and two wide receivers we're legally required to play that if he's not here they need more of that yeah, yeah they need a lot more of that and you know what I, I think that they have the running back room to get it done when they're healthy because well, I'm team Eno RB1 first of all but I, I just think splitting it between Connor getting each of them 10 carries a game it just seems like it should be mandatory now the the issue there's so many different issues with the Cardinals right now and I'm really just sticking to the offense in this segment um, you know Cliff Cliff obviously has not not gotten the job done this year. However you feel about whether he should still be here now, whether you should give him the rest of the season, whether you're freaked out because they gave him such a long extension, I get it. I don't understand the extension. I, I don't understand the five-year extension. I understand giving him this year to see what he's able to do and then making a decision in the offseason. But the reality is, at some point, the injuries and the guys that have missed games on offense are factoring into this as well. Maybe it's only 10%. Maybe you need to get over it. Maybe if you draft better, you have more depth. But, Kellen, I'm going to read you some of these numbers, okay? This is the, the, the research I did for the show. Should I write them down? Uh, no, you should not, because I'm okay. going to use them again later. I don't want you to be able to steal them. This Fair. is just guys that you expected to start or play a big role on your offense, missing games, okay? First of all, what? Will Hernandez, DJ Humphreys have each missed time. Rodney Hudson's missed most of the time. I don't even remember him playing very many games this year. Uh, and Justin Pugh, it sounds like he's done for the year. So that's that's 80% of your starting offensive line that has either missed a game, may miss games here now going forward with Will Hernandez, we don't know, or has missed significant time. That's just your offensive line. James Connors, your starting running back, he's missed three games. Uh, Darrell Williams is supposed to be your number two. He's missed three games, and he's on IR. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, it wasn't an injury, but he did miss six games. Rondale Moore has missed three games. You've got, um, <laughs> who am I even, Hollywood Brown is missing three games and he's still, I mean, that's, that is your offense. Other than Kyler Murray, basically everybody that you were counting on this season, well, Kyler Murray and Zach Ertz, they've all missed games. And you have to throw in how DeAndre Hopkins was suspended for the first six games. That's not an injury, but he still wasn't out there. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and it's the biggest one. And so... I'm not trying to make excuses for the offense because other teams do have injuries. But if you compare this team and the, the, the quality of player and the number of games they've missed on offense, it's been tougher. Really, I think the only team I've seen that's close is Baltimore. But Baltimore's still winning games. 
Uh, to go back to the whole point of the conversation, just simplifying things seems like the most obvious answer here. And the way that NFL teams do that, to go back to our first, very first discussion, was is running the ball. But you look through the nine games that they've played, and most of the time what's happening is the other team is the one doing that, and, and they're not the team doing that. And what I mean by that is something I said there at the very end. I want Connor and Benjamin to each get 10 carries a game here going forward. That is something that has pretty much not happened all year. If you look at the Seattle loss, no one got to 10 carries on this team. Kyler had eight, never Connor had, ball, had seven. Though. That's what I'm saying. You, yeah. need to, you need to run the ball to keep the ball longer, but they're not doing it. But if they run the ball, are they even going to sustain drives? I'm not sure, and that's where you run into the problems. But Kenneth Walker had 26 carries in that game. You go to the Vikings loss. Dalvin Cook had 20 carries in that game. No one on the Cardinals had at least 10. You go to the Saints game. That's where, you know, Benjamin got 12 for 92 in a touchdown. They won 42 to 34. Kamara had 11 carries. The Saints were chasing most of that game. You look at the loss to the Seahawks. This is where they kind of ran into issues because Kyler was able to scramble 10 carries for 100 yards, but Eno Benjamin had 15 carries for 37 yards, while Walker had 21 for 97 in a touchdown. It just seems like the sustainable sort of energy that you can get as an offense and the flow that you can get from the run game, they haven't been able to find that in almost every single game this year outside of that Saints game, I think. Even if you look at the win over the Panthers, it was 15 for 55 for Connor and then 12 for 26 for Kyler Murray. And it just seems like if they're not going to be a dynamic, explosive offense, it, it seems easy enough to say that they can go back to the run game. But if you look at their results this year and just how, again, again and the Rams lost 13 for 39 for James Conner. They just haven't been able to have a sustainable running game all year, even when they were healthy. Week yeah. two. I'm talking about week two yeah, back before things really got run. dicey. Eno, 8 for 31. Williams, 8 for 59. Kyler, 5 for 28. Connor, 7 for 25. Like They just haven't had those types of performances from their ball carriers this year. They they have gotten to the point, too, because we also asked Cliff about throwing the ball deep instead of just throwing screen passes and nothing else. They've gotten to the point now where they, they can't throw the ball deep because they can't protect Kyler long enough, and he doesn't seem to want to throw the ball deep or trust his receivers deep or whatever it is. I, I think a lot of it is he just doesn't have time. Uh, but then... It, like you can't throw the ball deep and you can't run right now. So it feels like if I'm an opposing defense, I know, okay, that's just going to be the Cardinals throwing in this like 20 yard window. It's like they're always in the red zone, which is usually a tough area to move the ball because there's not much field to work with, except they're not always in the red zone because it's not like there's a touchdown if they get the 20 yards. You know what I mean? They're just confined to this small area of the field and the other team knows it. And now they're playing the Rams. I think it's obvious they need to get rid of whoever the coach is now and hire an offensive mastermind. <laughs> What? Uh, Jeff Saturday is not available if that's oh. what you're looking for. Mm. Sorry. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. The Suns have seen injuries from a number of key players already this season. So at what point do they have to add somebody? Are we there yet? It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olsen filling in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Kellen Olsen in for Wolf today. How distracted are you going to be that pizza was placed oh in front of you? Oh my God, we made such a bad decision. Right. We have to eat during the show. Uh, they have food in here election night uh, for the KTR folks. We eat it because we, we're, we're doing election coverage so too, obviously. We have to take their food is what you're saying. We have to take their food, obviously. Yeah. It's for the newsroom, to be clear, and we're, we're part of the newsroom. But now I'm just staring at my pizza and thinking about how I can't eat it for the next yeah, nine see, minutes. I covered mine. I just put it behind me. That's the only way. Oh, the smell is crazy. It's, it's good pizza. Uh, but this, this, may, this is the one topic, Kellen, that might actually distract you because... Because um, 
I think it's a good one, and it's the one you brought up in the pre-show meeting. <gasps> Not the only one. I have good ideas. Are you sure? <laughs> this is Kellen's one good more idea. On that, yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. here we go. Uh, talking about the injuries that the Suns have, and you know, are they going to go out and are they going to call Jay Crowder? It sure doesn't look like it. Are they going to add somebody? Is there a sense of urgency to do that? We can get into that conversation, but you said something that really stood out to me. Are they trying to basically keep two avenues open right now? And are they trying to, okay, yeah, we've got this team and this might be our team for the the course of the year and we're trying to develop it and win? Or are they still keeping an eye on what's going on with Kevin Durant? Like, are they trying to live that life of duality, which doesn't usually result in the championship? Yeah, this is something I wrote about on the side a couple months ago in, in relation to the Kevin Durant trade and wondering... The whole purpose of what I wrote was essentially, are the Suns actually willing to pull the trigger on this? Like, we're operating under the uh, assumption that maybe they couldn't even get Kevin Durant. But if they were in an opportunity where they could get Kevin Durant, would they be willing to pull the trigger? And that trigger being giving up a significant part of their young core for Kevin Durant. Like, that's going to be a thing. They're not going to get him. If they get him for Jay Crowder, Landry Shamit, Dario Sarge, and three first-round picks, like a... I'll do cartwheels around the uh, around the office. <laughs> and they'll probably shut down happen. Brooklyn for a couple years after that. Yeah, because I'll be covering a, an NBA champion. Probably, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, the the thing here is, I kind of zoom out and look at what exactly the mindset is right now for them as a front office because I, I covered this when looking at Cam's injury and who needs to step up. The way rosters work in the NBA, and this applies to a lot of different sports, but NBA specifically, you've got your high-end salaries, which is which is your stars. That's the Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton tier, where it's either stars or guys who are getting paid significantly for the really stars crucial... Stars guys getting paid like stars. Well, guys that have significant roles, like DeAndre yeah. is worth that money. Mikael is worth that money. They're not stars, but they're worth that money. Then there's a huge drop-off to guys who are around the mid-level tier. That's around 9 to $10 million a year, and you see so many of those contracts because it's the one real contract that teams over the cap and over the tax can afford, not afford, but are allowed to pay in free agency. And the reason why they're so common as well is because they're really easy to trade as well because of how team-friendly they are on those salaries. And then you've got the minimum guys where great GMs always find great players. Like right now, for example, Jock Landale and Damian Lee have turned out to be really good finds on the minimum right now for the Suns. Those mid-level players, that's where you get to guys, like if you look at Philly last night, for example, DeAnthony Melton, P.J. Tucker, like guys who are going to be really important role players for you going forward. The Suns have three guys on the mid-level or around there right now. That's Landry Shamit, who is in the rotation, and he's probably going to stay there. Jay Crowder, he's not with the team. And Dario Sarge, who is out of the rotation. You just cannot have a team built like that, and you can't have a team where two of those guys you're not even using. They're not even playing which is where you go to trading them because you're a contender right now and you should be proactive and kind of seeking that out. And again, it's team friendly. A lot of teams are going to be able to take on that deal. And the thing that the Suns have right now is all of their picks and all of their swaps. That is a thing that very few contenders are in a position to have right now. We were just talking about Philly. Philly pretty much lost all their draft picks already. They've given away so many and so many different trades right now and a Brooklyn, lot of different Brooklyn teams. doesn't have another pick until like 2040. A lot of contenders are in that spot. The Warriors are kind of in that spot as well. So you look right Right now at the Suns and you wonder why aren't they doing what we normally see, which is packaging two of those salaries, Crowder and Sarge, or one of them and attaching a first round pick to it, attaching a couple seconds to it or whatever, and going and getting a guy who could help them right now, specifically with their injuries. And that is where I get to what I wrote about a couple months ago with KD and just wondering if they're trying too hard to juggle two windows at once. Are they trying to 
maximize the Devin Booker, DeAndre, and McElbridge, just Cam Johnson era of the Suns to a fault of what they have right now and have had for the last two seasons, which is a championship contending roster that they can still make better and, quite frankly, needs to get better. They need to make additions to it. And I just wonder if they're trying too hard to do two things at once like that. See, I think that's a very important question because you have a good enough team where if we're going to go back in time four months and if you ask me, okay, do you want Kevin Durant? Sure, I want Kevin Durant. He's a, a top, probably a top ten all time player. Do I want Kevin Durant? But I don't want Kevin Durant if it if it costs me my entire team. You know what I mean? And so if you told me back in July you can have Kevin Durant right now and you got to give up Cam Johnson and some first round picks and you know Jay Crowder or whatever, yeah, okay, I understand. I have to give something up for him. But there's a difference between giving up pieces for Kevin Durant and like sabotaging my own season. And, and what you're saying because the logical. The logical next step with the injury to Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder not being here and everything you just laid out there with the hierarchy of salaries on this team would be, okay, it's time to go out and get a guy. You can get those guys. You can get those mid-level guys. It's not that hard for a contending team like the Suns to go out and get one. And so my, I think a lot of people think, okay, that's they're going to do that either this week or in a couple weeks. They're going to do that. If they don't do it, it's hard to not think that they are looking at it the way you're saying of, well, we don't want to, we still have this stuff that's like, we have these assets, but they're tied up because we might get Kevin Durant. That's where I don't want this to go, of being strung along by Kevin Durant or just that whole situation to the detriment of the actual good team you have because they have something to lose, the Suns do. But how about beyond Kevin Durant and how they're looking at the next couple of years? What if they're saying, okay, let's say, Luke, the Kevin Durant trade is... DeAndre Aiden, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first, three swaps. We, we go full. We go like Brooklyn asks for pretty much the most they can ask for. The Suns give up, give that up. I don't think they would, to be clear. But let's say they do. Now, in three years, when Kevin Durant's probably gone, Chris Paul is retired, I would mm-hmm. assume, at that point. You've got Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges. You have the team we saw last night. You've got the picks that are going to start kicking in in like seven years, six years. You've got the every other year, of course. You've still got those picks, but in terms of tradable picks, you don't have any for a while. And that's it. And And that is what I think that they are concerned about because... One of my least favorite things about sports discourse is when everyone acts like they're smarter than everyone else and people acting like James Jones doesn't understand the flaws with this roster right now. He absolutely does. And everyone in that organization James. absolutely understands. We have suggestions. They know what's wrong with this roster, but they're waiting. And why are they waiting? Well, I think they don't want to gut everything for the future. Now, am I saying I endorse that? No. I believe whenever you have a shot at championships, you should go for it full bore. I'm the same person who loved Dallas going all out to get Chris Epps Porzingis because they put someone next to Luca, put a star, ne- another star next to him. That's what we thought of for Chris Epps Porzingis three years ago. <laughs> like, wait, does, do you and know the reason why that's Chris a huge Epps? risk now is because Dallas has pretty much nothing around Luca because the Chris Epps thing didn't really work out. They got super lucky with Jalen Brunson, but then they had to pay him. They couldn't pay him. He's gone. And that's the type of situation you can be dealing with now where you're dealing with a team that is not thought of as the five, six best teams in the league despite having someone like Luka Doncic. The Suns could be in that similar kind of position with Devin Booker in a couple of years if they go all out and, and they miss or they do it on a guy who can only play for them for a couple of years. I, I like I like the swing. I like to go for yeah. it, but it doesn't seem like the Suns like to go for it. We'll see when January 15th rolls around because oh, we're always going to be talking be. about it until January 15th. We're probably going to be talking about it on the 16th and the 17th too. It's, it's, it's weird and maybe this isn't the right way to approach it, but I, I'm all in on, on swinging for the fences 
if if it's something like that, if you're bringing in like a surefire thing like Kevin Durant, because the picture you paint of the future a few years down the line where it's just Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, and, and who knows what else, I do think you could repair it and rebuild around those guys. Where I'm not comfortable swinging for the fences is if you're kind of inadvertently making sacrifices right now because you might get Kevin Durant in January. You know what I mean? And I'm with you. James Jones always does stuff with, like, there, there's, he doesn't do anything without a reason, and which is why I like James Jones. And he's typically pretty decisive. I'm just saying, I'm more comfortable, okay, I have to give up pieces and it's going to hurt three years down the line, I'll figure it out. I still have Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges. What I don't like is kind of like being stuck in two worlds right now, if that's the path they go down, hoping you might get Kevin Durant and, and losing a bunch of games and kind of just being stuck in basketball purgatory until then. Alright, we come back. Hard Knocks starts tomorrow. Could the Hard Knocks cameras add pressure to the Cardinals? Like, they don't have enough already. It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olsen filling in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is good. This is some solid, ominous Alice in Chains talk about hard knocks. While we took our last bite of pizza before we came back. I know. They're <laughs> trying to time it like with the last commercial. <laughs> Um, all right, Kellen, first of all, where do you come out on Hard Knocks? Do you watch it consistently? Yeah. Really? I tune in for the first episode to see if I'm vibing. I didn't vibe with the Lions. Well, it's the Lions. I mean, vibing with the Lions is not really a thing. Um, am I the only person that watches Hard Knocks? No. Because I, I, Wolf doesn't watch it either. I would assume they would pull it off the air if only one human being in the entire world was watching it. Maybe what they if have that a huge, one person was me? What if it's you and just a bunch of cats that watch it, you know? As, as long as they enough? get the ratings. Are they pulling, they in the ratings? Yeah. As Are they long pulling as they, it up on their iPads? As long as each cat is spread out across the country with their own TVs. It's literally my favorite show. I watch it pretty much every year. Oh, okay, we have two people. All right, two of us. Maybe Jesse's writing enough letters on his own to... <laughs> That's what he does during the show. He's just sending more emails to HBO. Mm-hmm. Please put the Cardinals on Hard Knocks. That's how he got them actually on uh, Hard Knocks. I was looking forward to this in-season thing, and I still am, Kellen, but I was looking forward to it in the off-season, no matter who it was. And they were like, hey, it's the Cardinals. And I was like, all right, that's a team. That's the one team I already have some behind-the-scenes access to, but it'll be cool to see it in-season. You know, There's going to be weeks where we're like, hey, why did this happen? Maybe we'll see some of the behind-the-scenes. You're going to be on TV. It's going to happen. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, you're going to be. All right, then I'm all in. Did you wear makeup that day when no. the cameras are around? No. I would look like a mime <gasps> if I wore makeup. Were the cameras around? I'll console you. Oh, they're everywhere. We'll talk about it. So what might be too late? Um, now it's just like, I'm going to watch. I'm not sure I'm going to like what I'm going to see. I mean, the first episode is going to be building up to the Seahawks game. And if I'm HBO, I'm looking at this team being like, there's been so much drama. There were so many ups and downs in the first half of the season. And now they got to be worried they have a team that might be out of it in two weeks. There's a lot of Cardinals fans driving around right now screaming at the radio. They're already out of it. I'm interested to see. So I did not see the in-season Colts one. And there's a clear difference here between the in-season version and the preseason version because the preseason version is here's this undrafted rookie wide receiver who's only five seven, and that's why he's on. But he can wow! Look at those plays he's making in practice. Is he going to get a shot? Oh, he got a shot. Oh, he got cut. That's so sad. Do you that's think like, it's all about Andy Isabella in the preseason? <laughs> he's five ten. Give oh, him okay. some respect. How dare you? So that's how the preseason goes. So I don't know how they like f- 
do it narrative based, like what they focus on it in season. I assume good things so for better. the most part, but there's not a whole lot of good things to focus on with the Cardinals right now. And, and the thing to understand about programs like Hard Knocks is, I hope I'm not biting off the apple here too much, but it, it is kind of propaganda to a certain extent for the team that it that it's focusing on. You know, it is to hype up that team. It's not quite last dance Ideally. propaganda where it's like playing super dramatic music while he talks about a poisoned pizza or whatever, you know, like it's not quite that, but it does serve as the NFL's way to hype up a specific team. Yes. Which is where I get really curious with the choices they're going to make from a storytelling perspective on this specific season, because Hard Knocks does not stray away from like the drama and stuff that happens. I remember when Chad Johnson was on Miami, I want to say he was in the news for like something off the field that he did. And I remember the opening scene, everyone was watching to see like, are they going to talk about it? Are they going to show anything from it? Like the very first scene showed when I think Chad Johnson got cut, I believe like they they showed the whole thing. So that's the type of thing where I wonder how deep are they going to go and more interesting. Interestingly, Luke, are the Cardinals going to give them those opportunities like firing their coach? Well, see, now there's like a thousand different ways I want to go with this conversation. Let's start right here real quick before we get into the main topic. The opening scene of Hard Knocks, like you just said, with with Chad Johnson, it was was focused on that. The opening scene is always, it's always like, okay, wow, here we go. This is introducing you to the Arizona Cardinals. I, for the longest time, thought it was going to be Kyler Murray holding like a study pad, basically. Now I don't even know if it's going to be that. What do you think? What do you think the opening scene tomorrow night, like the first 10 seconds is going to be? Someone extremely frustrated after the loss. It's going to be someone spiking a helmet or something. Buddha, probably, probably Buddha. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna vote Buddha on the show. It was I really someone thought, pissed. I really and how many references to the Kyler Murray homework clause do you think will be in the first episode? Even if they're like veiled, like kind of like subtle references from. I don't think so. I don't think there's gonna be much none? to be honest. Okay, I, right. I, I don't really see it. I think that it's gonna be more about them. The first episode is gonna focus on establishing for the viewer what is going on with this team and what were the expectations and what are they going in? And it's just going to feature a lot of them talking about the injuries. Probably it's going to be a lot of them talking about how last year ended. And then there are going to be a lot of questions about, Hey, we're here for the second half of the season. Does anything interesting happen once the halfway point of your season turns? There, you're right. There's going to be a lot of <laughs> there's going to be a lot of this team struggles. Keep need- tuning in because this team turns into a train wreck in the second half of the season. You're about to all see it on this week's uh, the guy, the hard knocks guy. We who need was to in get Liev Schreiber. We need to get him on the show and just have him just narrate things from around our unique building. narrator. Gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars because he's got a really cool voice. Uh, he guy. gets paid more than that. He's an actor, isn't he? I don't know, yeah, man. I just guessed. Like he's he's you're the professional voice man over here. I am voice man <laughs> okay. getting paid for your voice. I don't man, know that man. I am. You know the rates better than me. Uh, I do not. And it leads <laughs> to the second question of with the cameras following this team around so closely, do you think that influences decisions that are going to be made? And I'm not talking about, hey, are we going to run a screenplay or a tackle zone? I'm, I'm talking like, are we willing to move on from our coach? Are we more willing to move on from our coach because we feel like we got embarrassed nationally? Or... What if Hard Knocks shows us that Cliff isn't the issue and that Hard Knocks shows us something else that makes us think about it a little That's differently a because you guys are points. going into it thinking like, oh. what if this added pressure will make, or, you know, lead the Cardinals to make changes? Yeah. But what happens if it leads the Cardinals to make changes in other areas? It doesn't have to be that. Luke, I'm back. It's me. 
I'm from the future. <laughs> okay, from Kellen. eight hours ago. I've seen the preview. We the episode a, of Hard Knocks. First of all, you it you, is went, you didn't go far percent, enough into the future because it's tomorrow. It is a thousand percent starting with Cliff showing up at three a.m. or whenever he does every day. It is going to be that, and then there are going to be sound like clips playing of the loss and everything. It's going to be Cliff turning on all the lights everywhere and turning on film. That's how it's going to start. So, a thousand percent. Okay, so then, do you think then the final episode after week eighteen is Cliff walking out and turning the lights off? Ooh, is Ooh. he going to be back? I mean, that's pretty good narrative storytelling right okay, there. So yeah. we've already, we should just do our own hard knocks. We can, we'll probably get it released before tomorrow, so we'll be ahead of the game. The things that I'm, as a Cardinals fan, that I'm really interested to see, you talk about how you have access to the team a, a certain amount. I don't really, to be honest, so I'm okay. really interested to see, like, I want to see Vance Joseph, like, talking to Isaiah Simmons about the Buda Baker transition and, like, what they're going to be working on specifically. I want to see how Chris Banjo's adapting in that kind of role, because they have to talk about that at some point, I would assume, over the next week or two, is getting used to him. How's Avon Collins? Like, all the younger players how is Trey McBride dealing with his inconsistent role? Like that's kind of the stuff I want to see is because I've had a lot of questions about the development on this team with young players specifically. And if they show some behind the scenes footage of that, I'm going to be really interested to see what, not in a pessimistic way, by the way, but I'm just like curious, like how, are, how do those conversations go for those guys? Yeah. And that's, that's where this show is so good. I mean, and that's why it sucks that Buddha's hurt, but, but Buddha talking to the younger players, JJ Watt, certainly. And he's yeah. been on it before. I will tell you, um, and I've said it on the show before, but even with access to the team, I still have a lot of unknowns with Kyler Murray. And that's when they when they leave when they leave like the the practice facility or the game and they kind of do like the personal stories and the, hey what's this person like away from the field and all that stuff. They better do one on Kyler Murray. He said last week they haven't followed him away from the uh, the facility yet, and I don't know if that's like because he doesn't want them to or what what all the the rules are there. I mean, it's HBO and the NFL. I think they pretty much have it whatever access they want. He to me, and this is weird because he's a starting quarterback on the team in town, is still the biggest mystery on this team. Before we go to break, you're doing a show tomorrow. Okay, what is the who's going to provide the segment in Hard Knocks that you overanalyze the most? Who's it going to be about? Who's going to be saying the thing? Who's going to be doing the thing? I think for this week, it's, it's unfortunately, it's probably going to be Cliff, which is not nearly as exciting to me as talking about Buddha or you know somebody else. The head yeah. coach is always the lead character of the story, which is why I jokingly tweeted after the game last night, Vance Joseph, you are now the protagonist of Hard Knocks, because yeah. I thought Cliff was going to get fired, but mm. nope. Nope. I, I definitely, I don't know, know who said this, I 100% agree that they're not going to fire their head coach with the cameras rolling. What I wonder is if if the next eight weeks go as poorly as the first nine did. What if they're like four and eleven? Like what you know? Like what if? Well, that's the thing. Okay, but what if they turn it around and they win out? Yeah, see, Aaron's the optimistic one, not you. Mm. I should have known this before we went on the air. Uh, you're right. If they turn it around, I mean, that's it's you couldn't ask for a better advertisement for your team. If they really struggle, I wonder if it does speed up uh, decisions in the offseason, though, because everybody's watching. It's not just Cardinals fans. It's everybody, and they're seeing everything behind the scenes, too. You're very you're very exposed as a franchise when you go on the show, especially in season. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with uh, Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olsen is in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.